everybody welcome to the high five countdown podcast my name is dj setho and i'd like to think the content of our podcast is more inflated than tom brady's balls that the new england patriots personnel participated in violations of the playing rules specifically a deliberate effort to release air from patriots game balls after the balls were examined by the referee footballs i mean footballs in case you didn't know, it's going to be an NFL-centric podcast for this episode. I'm really excited about it. I'm a huge NFL fan. It should be a great episode, and we'll get into that in uh, the next few minutes. But first and foremost, let me introduce my two co-hosts. My first co-host is such a Game of Thrones fanboy that you might actually call him a Game of Thrones groupie. We have Matty G, the musician. Well, I'm a one-man Good evening. I am, uh, I'm ready uh, to come back strong on the show. <laughs> nice, nice. My second co-host just doesn't like all kids. Doesn't matter if they're infants, if they're teenagers. From Judith in The Walking Dead to Kim Bauer from 24, we have Tony B. I don't hate all kids. It was just those particular ones. Okay, so it's not every person who's under the age of 18. No, it's just the ones in those particular TV shows, and that's probably about it. In terms of TV shows, yeah, I am not a Ken Bauer fan. Judith definitely needs to be eaten by zombies. Wouldn't be bad if Carl get, got bit, too. Coral! Carl! Where's Carl? Coral! So guys, I just want to apologize before we start this episode. Um, I've been unfaithful to you guys. I uh, I did a podcast with uh, another guest, and I, I just want to apologize. Well, thank you for coming clean after the fact. Yeah, it, it, that takes you know real guts. I didn't expect it to land on Facebook. But yes, for anyone who didn't get to hear it, our previous podcast was kind of a special podcast. We had Alan, the author of Real Speak, and we spoke about the top five memories of Independence Day, the original 1996 movie. And it was a fun time. Um, some people actually confused it for top five reasons Will Smith is the greatest human being on Earth. But that was my fault because I'm a big Will Smith fan. I'm going to do a podcast about the Wild Wild West, Jim West, Desperado. I'm thinking maybe we do a podcast, Top 5 Will Smith Hits. Wild Wild West. Matty G, big Will Smith fan, are you ready for that podcast? I think so. I, I you know, I'm I'm already thinking about my list. Uh, parents just don't understand. You know, take it back a little bit. There's this other song, Boom, Shake, Shake, Shake the Room. Well, 
but uh, that song uh, somehow found my way, found its way into my vocabulary. It's a great song. Oh, you gotta love classic Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff. But anyway, if you didn't check it out, check out our previous episode, Top 5 Memories from Independence Day. So now let's get into it. It is time for this episode of the High Five Countdown Podcast. I'm excited about it. A lot of people have asked us to do an NFL-centric podcast. I know that we're all NFL fans here. So this episode is the Top 5 Best NFL Off-Season Moves. So I guess I'll start out by saying this, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like the NFL offseason is much different for me now than it was for when I was a lot younger. And the reason I say that is because growing up in a world with Madden and with fantasy football, I had like a wish list of, of people I wanted my team to get. So, you know, one year I wanted the Eagles to get like T.O. and I wanted them, you know, to get like Anquan Bolden and I wanted them to just assemble this power team. As I get older, I realize the economics, the contracts and uh, the roster moves and how they affect the team. So I become a little bit more realistic about NFL free agency, but I've also become more interested in it because of the business aspect of it and how every NFL team has to continuously bring in new players while not overpaying for old players. Well, I had to do a little bit of refreshing because out of all the headlines I heard, I did, there's like at least 50% of them I, I didn't like hear about because it wasn't that big of a story. So I wanted to make sure I didn't miss out on any kind of like sleeper moves that, that uh, people didn't really, you know, talk about in the headlines, but still were important. So I had to brush up a little bit. I haven't been paying attention throughout, but I'm pretty caught up now. So I'm ready to, uh, to uh, get going with this. And I'm looking forward to actually learning stuff from you guys too. I love the NFL. My favorite part of the offseason is the offseason because as a Redskins fan, that's usually the best part of the season. Although this year, things are going to get turned around. You like that? You like that? And I'm just going to warn people in advance, the first couple of picks may sound like I'm a homer, but they happen to be pretty significant offseason moves. And some of them may be a bit off the offbeaten path. Sounds good. As an Eagles fan, I'm delighted about that. I have some Eagles news in there, so you have to listen. You have to listen through. Spoiler alert! So, guys, before we start this, Maddie G, how did you rank an off-season move as being one of the best? What were you looking for? I gotta be honest. I, uh, I'm a huge fan, football fan, so. I didn't want that to be entirely like part of my my choosing of like what was the biggest or best moves. Um, but at the same time, I don't know like who's the best nose tackle in the NFL. I don't know like who's the. I mean, I know like probably who's the best like cornerbacks and stuff, but I don't know like every single position. I'm not gonna pretend I do. I, I don't know the best centers and stuff. So um, part of it is a little bit like the biggest splash, and like also I've, I kind of lean towards players I'm familiar with, so therefore. Um, there's some offensive names in there, um, but I also wanted to kind of be practical with my decisions. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I heard of this quarterback, so I picked this quarterback because I know this quarterback. Like, I wasn't like that. So I had to find that, that balance of, like, things that I'm, you know, comfortable with, but also, uh, you know, what I think actually really benefited the team. I mean, you don't know the backup left guard for the Tennessee Titans, Matty G? Well, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I, I, you know, I have a positive attitude that I that I can learn it though. You, you don't know Jason Norkel? Jason, wow, that's an amazing name. I'll never forget that name. Good, because I just made it up. 
<laughs> well, I'm really excited to see how Jason Norkel's season will do. I think he's he's set for a comeback year. There would be something if there was a Jason Norkel who did play for Tennessee. He's like, no, I'm not a made-up person. I am on this team, right? <laughs> Tony B., Outside of uh, rating Jason Norkel, obviously, as a grand move, uh, how did you evaluate the uh, NFL uh, best offseason moves? Mine was really simple. It was either newsmaking slash impactful, or it was just interesting to me. I thought you were going to say mine was very simple. Whatever the Redskins did. I could have. I could have easily done five of those. You like that? You like that? But I picked the best uh, one or two Redskins moves. And then I filled out the rest with the other 30-some teams. I kind of just looked at it as teams that were really able to fill a position of need with a great player. Teams that took an opportunity and ran with it and and really took advantage of an offseason opportunity. Or teams that basically picked up someone that is... Low risk, high reward. Sounds good. Before we get started, does anyone else have anything else they want to add? Uh, Tony, any more um, uh, facts about Jason Norkel? No, he was drafted in the seventh round, 392 overall. So he was drafted way after Leon Sandcastle. Name for the combine? Name? Leon Sandcastle. Yes. Which some were very surprised by, but Sandcastle didn't have a very good college career. I thought they, I thought that was a very um, stupid pick. Uh, I gotta say, I just, uh, I just uh, googled Jason Norkel, and I think we're a little wrong. It actually says, "Did you mean Jason Norquet?" <laughs> no, no, I meant Norkel. Like, I, I recommend everyone that listens to the podcast Google Jason Norkel. It says Jason Norquet, and it says first result. Jason Scott Norquette, arrest record, North Carolina. That sounds like an NFL player to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. North Carolina under arrest. Yep, that sounds about right. They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling and trying to catch me riding dirty. 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 I can already see a situation where uh, Jason Norquette, Greg Hardy, and Johnny Menzel cruising the streets looking for trouble. Manziel did not make my list, unfortunately. Now, when he gets fully arrested, that will be a top off-season move. Good pickup by the police. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? One, two, three, let's go. Here we go. Well, on that note, guys, let's kick it off. We'll start off with Mr. Jason Norkel himself, Tony B. But my number five biggest off-season move has to do with the Redskins and them keeping their name. (laughs) Them not giving into pressure, again, keeping their name. And the reason it makes the top five off-season moves, because this off-season, the Washington Post, a well-respected newspaper, conducted a national poll asking Native Americans, Indians, are you offended by Redskins? And you know what the poll said? What? No. You know what percentage said no? It was a majority, but what percentage do you think? I'm going to go with something crazy like 95? Yeah, it was 95% about that. Said no, it's not offensive. Don't care. 
keep the name. Well, I'm hugely offended by the name. I think they should have changed it to Washington Native Americans. Oh, yeah, because that's not offensive. I think it flows better off the tongue. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because you have the Kansas City Chiefs. You have uh-huh. the Cleveland Browns. You have a damn team called the Indians. Yeah, and they did a poll on that. They're, those aren't offensive. It's people who want to be offended who are offended by them. Now, I did, I'm, we're going to do our own little informal poll right now. So I'm just going to name a couple of teams and you tell me if you think these are offensive or not. The New York Giants. That's pretty offensive. To I mean, there's people that you know are trying to lose weight. There's people that have to you know go to like the the big and tall section of Coles and and get like, all those discounted shirts. Thank you. I got my shirt at the big and tall shop, and you were hiding the bag from me. Honey, what's the big deal? It's just a big and tall store. Oh yeah, well let me break it down for you. I'm certainly not tall. It's just not fair. It's very offensive. What about short people? Isn't that offensive to the short people of New York? Well, because there's no NFL team that's, you know, the NFL midgets, uh, yes, I, I agree that we're only basically representing big people in the NFL, but th- there's nothing for the little people. But how about this? What about the people with gigantism? The New York Giants. I have gigantism. Don't make fun of my condition. What about Dallas Cowboys? Is that offensive? I mean, what about what about women? Like, why can't women have, like, a, a team? Like, I mean, why the Cowboys? Why can't it be cow persons? <laughs> Cow people. Cow people, I agree. They should just call them the Dallas Hicks. But you guys remember playing Cowboys and Indians as a kid? Who usually won when you play Cowboys and Indians? The Cowboys. Who took the Indians land? People who look like Cowboys. And who's America's team? The Cowboys. And what's their logo? What's their mascot? A white guy with two guns. Actually, it's a star. Star? But what's their what's their mascot? They don't put out a giant star to go out to, to midfield. They got some cowboy-looking guy with two guns shooting them off in the air. I thought their mascot was Jerry Jones. I like Dallas Cow People. Let's get a little bit serious. Now, I'll tell you, I, I talked to hold somebody on, hold about on. this. Tony, before you switch, I will yes. say one thing. When has Dallas ever worried about offending people? They had Greg Hardy on their roster last year. It should be the Dallas Beaters. Oh, my gosh. All right, there's the explicit warning again. There we, there we go. go. That's how we get there. Well, we'll get to the other one. What about, um? here's a serious one, Notre Dame fighting Irish. The assumption being that Irish people fight all the time. Well, you get a few Guinness in them, and I don't know if I can... Well, that's offensive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, I, so right out, I didn't even say drinking. You implied they're fighting because they're drinking. They're not the Irish boxers, but nobody wants to change that. So the fact that we stuck to our guns, didn't listen to all these PC people who said change the name, and I'm proud of my team for doing it. Say what you want about Dan Snyder, but he stuck to his guns, and that is my number five off-season move, the Redskins not making a move on their name. I was obviously having some fun with it and saying, like, Cal Persons and stuff, but I, I don't really... I don't know if I have an opinion in a way. I, I would say this in general, though. I think people 
get like accustomed to what they're what they're used to. So if the team name ever does change, or for Cleveland Indians, which is like you know also probably in the same uh, kind of level of possible offensiveness for some people. In 20 years from now, people aren't going to be like, oh, I'm so mad they changed the team. I think it's just going to be like a new, new generation of fans that are just used to it, just how people are used to the Redskins now. I think it's one of those things where like people just like fight because they, they want to keep something that they're familiar with. But it's, it's, I mean, team, team names have changed before, is what I'm saying. I mean, like the, the Yankees were the Highlanders. The, the Red Sox were like the Boston, I think the Red Stockings or the Red, or the Americans or something. Maybe both of them. And to Native Americans, Indians, whatever, whatever they want to be called. There's only 10 of them left in the world. That's more offensive than the name. What happened to them historically is more of an offensive tragedy. The people say are offended by it are not offended by it. They're actually offended by the people who say they should be offended. Could you diagram that sentence? I, I, I could repeat it, but or you can just hit rewind. Yeah, I'll probably do the uh, latter. The people say are offended by it are not offended by it. They're actually offended by the people who say they should be offended. <laughs> so let's move on to number four, right? Uh, sounds good. I still like cow people, though. I like cow people. <laughs> number four, and this is an actual off-season move, but it's going to make me sound like a homer. The Redskins re-signing Kirk Cousins and getting Josh Norman. Redskins have had, on top of a name controversy, a quarterback controversy. We got rid of one quarterback, and then we had a decision on whether or not we're going to pay the other. And we decided to keep him around, which is a big move because he could potentially be one of the next top quarterbacks in the league. He had a great end of the season last year. One of the biggest moves is keeping your own guys. The Redskins did that. The best part of the team is their offense, and he led the offense. In quarterbacks, you know, this is a quarterback league. You need a quarterback. We got our quarterback. You like that? You like that? And Josh Norman? Arguably the best corner in the NFL. And in a division where you have Odell Beckham, Des Bryant, and whoever the Eagles have catching the ball. You need a solid corner. I mean, it sounds like it's two moves in one. So I guess I'll talk about the Josh number one. Um, I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense for the Redskins to sign somebody who can potentially shut down two of the biggest uh, offensive weapons in their own division. So I think it is a very smart move. Josh Norman will be interesting. From an entertainment standpoint, to see him and Odell Beckham play each other twice a year is going to be awesome. You know that whole cage fighting thing we were throwing out there for uh, the Super Bowl halftime show? That could happen in a game. But that being said, I'm curious to see how good Josh Norman is. The reason I say that is because it is no secret the Panthers are really based off their defensive line and their pass rush. Because they have a pass rush... A lot of pressure is taken off of the cornerbacks. No, I'm not sitting here, th- you know, saying that Josh Norman is a scrub, but it will be interesting to see how he performs on another team, and we will be able to truly grade him on whether he is the uh, Darrell Revis in his prime or whether he is just one of those cornerbacks that's helped out because the team is able to put pressure on the other team's quarterback. I think that's a really good point, and. Um... I've actually heard that many times where, like, it's kind of hard to evaluate a lot of defensive players because, like, it's, it's pretty much a group effort. I mean, it must be kind of obvious, but also it makes it difficult to kind of, like, evaluate an individual player. Like, oh, they're the best, you know, nose tackle in the NFL because, like, how do you 
I guess that, you know, as technology gets better, it's easier to evaluate, like, what an individual brings to the table besides, like, oh, like, they got this many sacks or they got this many interceptions because that's, like, probably kind of random in a sense because it's, you know, I mean, you might have a good year just because you got a couple a little extra, you know, inches of luck where, like, something went perfectly for you or something. Um, I think the same problem with the NBA happens where, like, I can't really evaluate players, like, like perfectly, and I don't think you – I don't know if you ever can, but, like, that's why baseball in a way is, like, kind of nice because it's easier to isolate one player because they're always so isolated on the field and at a, at, on the mound or on the plate, so it's, it's easier to kind of evaluate that than it is in the NFL. If it was so easy to evaluate, no one would make a mistake in the free agency, no one would make a mistake in the draft, but yet you have cornerbacks and safeties who are touted as these these great players. You know, the Saints spent so much money on that Bill safety, Jarius Bird, and outside of Buffalo, he's done nothing. You know, the Eagles spent a lot of money on Byron Maxwell, and outside of Seattle, he hasn't been able to perform. So it'll be curious to see if Josh Norman will go the route of a Byron Maxwell, or whether he'll go the route of a Darrell Revis, who, even though he left the Jets to go to Tampa Bay, he was still a great player. As far as the Kirk Cousins move goes, in a, in a quarterback needy league, the Redskins locking up a quarterback who did well last year is great, and it could end up being a great move uh, that helps Washington out. You like that? Quarterbacks are a weird thing. For as many quarterbacks that do have that outstanding year and build on it, whether it's Matt Ryan or, you know, someone like Russell Wilson, there are quarterbacks like Matt Flynn, Kevin Cobb, those guys who you never see that output from them after, you know, their few games. The other thing I want to see, too, is what happens when these players get paid. When you're getting paid like a bum and you know you're not a bum, it's easy to play a little bit harder with a chip on your shoulder. When you start getting elite money, do you keep playing elites? Josh Norman is getting paid elite player money. He was getting scrub money. What's he going to do with it? They both look like good signings, but we haven't played it down. But getting one of the arguably elite corners in the league and getting who many perceive to be one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks on one team in one offseason qualified to me as a top five move. The smart thing I think the Redskins did was they didn't sign Kirk Cousins. If I remember correctly, he's on a franchise tag, which gives them another year to evaluate. My third choice has to do with the Eagles. Oh, boy. And no, I'm not talking Carson Wentz, who I I don't know what's going to happen with that guy. They say he's doing well in training camp. They're playing in t-shirts and shorts. Everybody looks good in t-shirts and shorts. Let's see what happens when they actually start tackling the dude. And I'm not talking about them keeping Sam Bradford or Sam Bradford realizing that he has no leverage. Take business 101, buddy. Supply demand. But my number three is the Eagles getting a new coach, who was a disciple of Andy Reid, after ironically kicking Andy Reid out of town. I was excited. So the team was excited. I'm so excited I might put on a fur coat and walk around (laughs) and... They got rid of Chip Kelly, who, as a Redskins fan, I like because the Eagles suck. The 3-4 is the second greatest mystery besides the Sasquatch in Eugene, to be honest with you. Yeah, they made the playoffs, but they, they, they weren't sustainable. And all that nonsense Chip Kelly was doing, I loved it. Yeah, I don't know how it will pan out this year because the group is different. You know, if I had to play the national championship game again, um, but I checked, they won't let us do that. He kept the team from winning Super Bowls. He kept trying to revolutionize the NFL. So I kind of like Chip Kelly because the team wasn't working. Now they made the smart move and got rid of him. Brought in an offensive-minded coach, but 
ironically, he's a disciple of Andy Reid. And the reason they brought in Chip Kelly, because they were sick of Andy Reid. Now, we're going to see how this move plays out. Right now, Eagle fans aren't saying too much about it. What happens when they're 5-5? Five and five? What are they going to do? Are they going to complain again and get somebody new? Are they going to get someone from Oregon? I disagree. Eagles fans were ecstatic losing Chip. I know. They, they hated Chip Philadelphia. But they hated Andy Reid, and they brought back an Andy Reid disciple. Yes, they brought back an Andy Reid disciple, but they brought back a guy who is known for mentoring quarterbacks, getting the best out of them. The guy was able to take Alex Smith and and turn him into a playoff caliber quarterback and take a Kansas City Chiefs offense last year that had lost their star running back and turn them into a solid offense that was able to win, I think, 13 games in a row. But you know what coach did that? That was Andy Reid. And you know where he also did that? Hmm, where, where did he take a quarterback that, I don't know, I think got out of jail, turned him into a Pro Bowl quarterback? I was excited, so we're, the team was excited. Yeah, I'm so excited I might put on a fur coat and walk around tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, that was in Philadelphia. And now they brought in the same line of thinking. After kicking him out, we're going to see how well that works out. This may be a move we could be laughing a couple of years from now because he's out of the league, or the last laugh will be on me because he may lead him to five Super Bowls in a row. Doug Peterson is the coach, right? I mean, as of, as of today, it says he was the like Chiefs offensive coordinator, correct? Yes. yes. I mean, I'm saying it's totally not as you know affiliated with the team or right anything, but like. Weren't the Chiefs, like, they're not, like, good at offense. So, like, is it supposed to be something where – did he have a history before this or something where he was, like, a really good coach in college or something? Or Oh, no, he worked with Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid's, like, backup quarterback. And then he was the offensive coordinator under Andy Reid. Andy Reid's the guy they kicked out for Chip Kelly. And now they kicked out Chip Kelly for Andy Reid's assistant. I was excited. So we're, the team was excited. Yeah. I'm so excited I might put on a fur coat and walk around and <laughs> – it's supposed to be the best moves. Um, what is what is your reasoning for putting it at third if you if you're saying what you're saying? Well, it's third because they got rid of who uh, of one of the worst coaches in the NFL. The three four is the second greatest mystery besides a Sasquatch in Eugene. To be honest with you, and a big part of it in my ranking is the ironic part: bringing in a coach who was very closely affiliated to the coach that you couldn't stand anymore, who brought you the most success, very similar to the same success they they're having in Kansas City. That team went from nothing, and then they went to not so much Super Bowls, but they're making the playoffs. Andy Reid took that team from a joke in Kansas City to a playoff-caliber team. If the same thing can happen to the Eagles in this division, all you need to do is get in, and anything can happen. So for that reason, it could be a very big move for the Eagles. One, one thing I'll say to make a little bit more of a general, uh, I think, discussion about something I think happens a lot in sports is that fans, especially, I guess, like big cities, but who knows, it could be any city, they don't realize like the grass isn't always greener on the other side when it comes to players or coaches. Like people might complain about like Andy Reid and then, you know, look what happens like when he's gone. And then there's, there's so many cases of that. You see that with like, you know, a star player or like a coach. I mean, like, I'm sure there were tons of Yankee fans that wanted Joe Torre out, and now he's like in the Hall of Fame and a retired has a retired number, and like they've won World, one World Series, and like, they, they would have like five with him or like four with him. Oh no, I, I was an anti-Torre fan. Torre had a flipping go. He was terrible. 
<laughs> yeah, he uh, he won some championships, and I don't want to make it seem like a sour grapes or whatnot. But that guy could not coach his way out of a bag. I mean, think about all the all the teams that complain about their quarterback or something. It's like, yeah, look at Eli Manning. Like he's obviously he has the two rings, but the, so many people are like, oh, he's like, why is he so bad now? And they're like, why does he do this? Or like, he's always kind of up and down. And then like, I think of myself like the Giants are lucky to have him compared to a lot of other teams. I mean, like, there's there's really not that much out there. So. What I will say is this, as far as coaches go, because I won't even touch the quarterback thing, that's a totally different issue. A coach can get stale in a franchise. You take a look at the New York Giants, they got rid of Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin has has failed to get them to the playoffs for four or five years since winning their last Super Bowl. At some point, you have to cut ties because the guy's not doing anything, and the team is just continuously regressing. Same thing with Andy Reid. I was excited, so were, the team was excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. I might put on a fur coat and walk around and <laughs> Andy Reid's team continuously regressed. Not to say that Andy Reid's a bad coach, because he's not. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But he needed a change of scenery, and I think that change of scenery helped him as much as it helped the Chiefs. So I don't think the Eagles were bad for getting rid of him. The Eagles were bad for hiring Chip Kelly when they could have gotten Bruce Arians, which I'm still mad at, because Bruce Arians is arguably one of the best coaches in the NFL right now. That being said, bringing in someone with Andy Reid's philosophy who knows about Andy Reid's team-building philosophy, which we know is great due to his success in Philadelphia and Kansas City, isn't a bad move. And, and you also have to remember, this was a bad bad coaching pool this year in the NFL. Spoiler alert. There might be one coaching decision that makes my top five, but we'll get there. So they were a little bit limited, and maybe in some regards it was just a better to go with the devil you know than the devil you don't. Because we saw what happened when they went with the devil they didn't know. If they stay in the same scenery, unless your name is Bill Belichick, you'll eventually hit a wall. I truly believe that. That's why the longest-tenured head coaches in the NFL for their teams right now are only two people. First was Bill Belichick, and second, does anyone know the second? Because this is an off-the-wall one. Tom Coughlin. Oh, not Tom Coughlin. Mike Tomlin. Matty G. Uh, I'm trying to go through the teams right now. Um, I don't know. Is the guy in the Packers, uh, McCarthy? I don't know. No, both good guesses. Marvin Lewis with the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, yeah. My number two, we just kind of talked about him with Bill Belichick, but it's Tom Brady still being suspended. <laughs> At the flake gate, still haunting him. And he's going to be suspended for, what, the first four games? For what? For what? Suspending? I'll tell you why he's being suspended. Because the NFL just hates the Patriots. And I'm not a huge Patriots fan, but I hate loser talk. And that Deflategate stuff is nothing but loser talk that every other owner was pissed off that the Patriots keep winning and they try to figure out a way to screw them over and they found one. This has nothing to do with football. This has nothing to do with winning or the integrity of the game. This has everything to do with people hating on Belichick and Brady. To go into the details of this, I feel like it's like a quicksand thing where like we can just go into this for like an hour. Uh, but I will say that I, I saw a chart, you can look it up on Google, where it was just the um, the average football fumbles for each team, like uh, for the last, like, I don't know, maybe like 10 seasons or something. And uh, it was just a very ridiculous um, spike between like the, the amount of uh, snaps or amount of games that the Patriots go without fumbling 
versus everyone else. And I remember in fantasy football, but Jarvis Green Ellis was like the okay running back that never fumbles. So you know he's never going to get you turnovers. Cause, and then he, like, he goes to another team and he, like, he fumbles in his like, first game or two. And it, it was just a lot of things where, I mean, you might be right. Like A lot of people might hate the Patriots because of their success, but I think there's also some... I, I don't know why he is getting punished in particular. I think it has to do with like, the obstruction of justice thing or something. I don't know, with the phone or breaking the phone, whatever. But at the same time... Um, obstruction I, of justice. you got to be kidding me. Whatever it is, I don't know. I, I feel like they're both, they're both not... like. Um, Role models for like for the world, the NFL or the Patriots. Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 we don't want our kids learning how to win and not fumbling. Yeah, we want our kids to fumble because everyone else fumbles. I, well, if it's if it's a smaller size, then it's easier to grip, and therefore it's harder. That's to... what they're doing. They, they, they play with a Nerf ball. And no one noticed. Should I break this tie here? <laughs> I, I don't even want to say anything because Tony's heated. When they played that game, the New England defense did not have a problem catching the balls from Andrew Luck. So whatever they were doing, they were able to catch him. So I don't want to hear, oh, they just played, get out of here. They could have played with a beach ball. The outcome would have still been the same. That's loser talk. I mean, that might have been true for that game and for a lot of games, but for the course of like 10 years that they were cheating and also recording defenses. Oh, yeah, recording the defense because he can't get the game on Fox. I know I'm about to give these the things that every team does it. They just happen to get caught. And that's what they're really getting them on. We caught you. Every other team does it. But please, it's a known practice. You record practices. You record the games. The games are on Fox for crying out loud. They got the highlights in HD. I never, uh, play with deflated balls. Mine are, my balls are always inflated, so I don't have to deal with that issue. You make sure the PSI is perfect? Not even a laugh, guys? Come on. <laughs> In all seriousness, I'm not going to lie, I'm so sick of hearing about it. Um, you know, whether it happened or didn't, whether it affected the game or didn't, that's a whole nother matter, which I don't want to get into. I'm just so sick of hearing about it. I just wanted to end. Um, you know, the Patriots still had a great season this year without deflated uh, footballs. So either way, I just want to end. There, there's more interesting things to talk about. And the fact that he's going to be suspended four games. Okay, find them some draft picks. Maybe a game. Four games is ludicrous. Ludicrous is in the rapper. Yes, it is absolutely. What is your fantasy? Seeing Tom Brady suspended. That's the NFL fantasy. Nice play on words there. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the setup. That's called teamwork. I throw them up, you knock them down. Okay, my number one move. 
Peyton Manning retiring, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, finally retiring, changes the balance of the NFL. And I know he was having a little bit of a rough season his final year, but it's the end of an era, and it's now time for a new class of quarterbacks to step up. So this completely changes the dynamics of the Denver Broncos for sure. I mean, they had to get Mark Sanchez after not getting Ryan Fitzpatrick. So him leaving, I think, makes a huge void, not just for the team, but in the NFL as a as a commodity. But how many times have we seen a quarterback who should have retired, or any player in a sport that should have retired years ago, still go out there, maybe because he wants a paycheck, maybe because he thinks he can still play, and they're way past their abilities. I kind of feel like you're uh, attacking my boy, Brett. I'm comfortable in jeans that last. I'm comfortable in Wrangler. The, the Wrangler? I'm comfortable in Wrangler. The gunslinger? Jeans, the old gunslinger, man. I'm comfortable in jeans that last. Mr. Real Comfortable Jeans? I'm comfortable in jeans that last. I'm comfortable in Wrangler. I love Wranglers. I 100% agree. Uh, it was sad to see Brett Favre play one year too many. He should have ended it, uh, that stint with the Vikings where he got to the championship game and he had that phenomenal season. Instead, we got that horrible second season with the Vikings along with, um, I guess what would you call it, phone gate, text gate? Phone gate, um, it was more of a picture gate. He basically pulled a Snapchat before Snapchat was invented. And if he only had the bright idea to smash his phone like my number two pick did. I'm happy to see Peyton go out on top. I don't think he was ever coming back if he uh, won that Super Bowl. So once he won, he was ready to ride out of the sunset. I don't even think there was a decision to be made. What if he lost? Then there's a decision to be made. <laughs> there's a decision to be made. What was that decision going to be? Half a season comeback? I'll come back if we're doing well at the at the five-week point. I have no clue. But what I do know is either way, we're going to see more Papa John's commercials. Better ingredients. Better pizza. Papa, Papa John. John. Oh, I hope not. The way Denver struck out on like four quarterbacks this offseason was, was pretty historical in and of itself. They tried for Brock Osweiler. They tried for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They tried for Colin Kaepernick. And I think they might have even tried for Sam Bradford. And then they finally got Mark Sanchez. So that in itself is just historical right there. I mean, that's talent. You strike out at four different quarterbacks. What are the odds that Elway goes, you know what, Mark, you suck. Let me show you how it's done, man. First, you line up like this. I think we'd see the old gunslinger, Mr. Wrangler Jeans, before we saw John Elway, and I would rejoice by it. I'm comfortable in Wrangler. Hey, man, he's awesome, and he retired, and I guess he, he left at the right time. I mean, I don't know if he was going to be able to keep playing. It's the way he played in the last season, it seemed like he was kind of breaking down. So, yeah, I'm glad he won that last one. I was definitely rooting for him, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have a long career being like a sportscaster if he wants to be or something. Matty G, I'm excited to hear your top five. Five. Okay, for number five, I actually was going to put something different, but I wound up settling with Brock Eisweiler uh, signing with the Texans. And I picked this because, not because it was like a big splashy move, like I said I wasn't going to do. Knowing the Texans and knowing that they made it to the playoffs with like, what, four different quarterbacks last season that they used, I picked the uh, Eisweiler with the, the optimistic uh, approach that like, you know, he could replicate success with the Texans and maybe they'll... Uh, 
they'll actually pay off with this uh, this kind of uh, this kind of signing. Let me jump in by saying two things because I was really thinking about this move for my own top five. Spoiler alert. <laughs> It might not be represented there, but um, I liked the move for two reasons. Number one, because of what you said, Matty G. If they were able to win with, like, Brian Hoyer and Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler can only be a step up. Number two, I like it because by taking away Brock Osweiler, they weaken a team in their own conference a team that they're going to have to beat eventually to get to a Super Bowl. The Denver Broncos are very much weakened. I don't think they win their division next year with Mark Sanchez or Paxton Lynch. I think because of that, the Texans have a better shot at making the playoffs and, and doing something because they've really taken out a powerhouse in the AFC. I'm, I'm not sold on Brock. He, at the end of the day, he had to get replaced by Peyton Manning. Better ingredients. Better pizza. Papa John's. And now that he's gotten paid, well, let's see what happens. Usually what happens, these quarterbacks get the millions of dollars. They go out, they buy their boats, they have their parties, then they show up to training camp thinking that it's Hollywood, and it doesn't have the storybook movie ending. I 100% see where you're coming from, and I agree to an extent. When you take a look at guys... Kevin Cobb, Matt Flynn. I mean, you could go down a list of all the quarterbacks who have shown so much potential teams give big money to, and then they don't perform. But we also in a league where quarterbacks are rare. They're like a damn phoenix. You don't see them much. So I don't blame the Texans for taking a chance in a franchise quarterback when the, when they went through what they did last year with Hoyer and Whedon and all the guys that played for them. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen with them. But they, they have a good defense. They have a coach that knows how to get them most out of the out of the least yeah i mean i, I don't know if i'm uh, totally sold on them either but i think that they're, they're trying to just you know find like that consistent piece that they needed so uh like i said it was kind of on the fringe of my top five and it just like snuck in because i i was gonna put my forte there and i was like you know he's like 30 i don't even know if he's gonna be that good anymore. <laughs> cool. all right number four i'm actually gonna go with josh norman and i know we talked about it at great length i picked it because i think whether or not he's going to be as good or better um, being in a different team in a different setting, going from like an elite defense to, you know, I guess Redskins have a pretty solid defense or maybe better. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know the Panthers probably have one of the best defenses. Um, and then, you know, when you think about Odell Beckham, you think about Des Bryant, um, and I guess whoever the Eagles are going to throw out there, not Riley Cooper, but it's going to be yeah. something. Um, I think that's it's kind of a strategic play, and um, you know I, I like the move. No, I just hope it, it works out. You know, he, he's getting paid a lot of money, so I'm hoping now that he he has gotten paid that he's going to to show it, and I hope he just doesn't interrupt the chemistry where younger players on the Redskins, like a Brashard Breland, for example, some of them were pissed off that, well, wait, I thought I was in line to get a big money contract, and now you bring in this free agent, so maybe does that destroy the chemistry? Because sometimes a good defense is just about they trust each other and they play for each other. It's not about the te- uh, the players so much, but they, they work together as a unit. If that's not there, then it doesn't really matter who you have. I mean, it's not a bad move. I mean, the Redskins' defense is bad. They're in the NFC East. All, all those defenses are pretty bad. So any step is, could be a step forward for them. Hell, bring in Leon Sandcastle. He, he would help the Redskins. Name for the combine? Name? Leon Sandcastle. 
Yes. Well, at this point, anybody on the defense would help. Norco could even go from offense to defense. <laughs> I was waiting for a Norco appearance. It's Norquette. I believe, actually, maybe he's like French or Cajun, so it's Norquette. That might be like one of those like fancy names, you know, like Stephen Colbert. Mm. Number three, I'm going to go uh, with Ladarius Green from the now the Pittsburgh Steelers, used to be on the Chargers. I went with that thinking that, um, well, last year Ladarius Green shown, you know, uh, a little bit when uh, Gates was gone for, you know, injury purposes. And now he's going to be added to a team that already has arguably the best wide receiver, even though I know you can make a case for like five other ones. Uh, I would probably pick Antonio Brown as number one, at least by the stats and stuff. Uh, then you have arguably the best running back with Le'Veon Bell, and now you add this other weapon uh, to replace Heath Miller, uh, who's like probably like seven years younger than Heath Miller, and uh, already kind of shown that what he can do in uh, in San Diego. So I went with number three, Ladarius Green. That's actually a really good pick. I'm jealous because I really liked that move when it happened. And when I was coming up with my list, I didn't think about it. That's a great pick. He's going to be better than Heath Miller. Pittsburgh's going to be a good team next year. I honestly think Pittsburgh will be the class of the uh, AFC. They're going to be a really good team. And I think that green move is going to be huge. <laughs> All right, number two, just to balance out, you know, I, I am impartial. Uh, I'm going to pick a Patriots move. Um, it's going to be Martellus Bennett signing with the Patriots. Um, this is something where now they have this two-headed monster with Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett. Uh, also, I think history has shown that Gronkowski hasn't really stayed on the field consistently. I mean, I'm looking at his stats, actually. I think he missed six games one season and another season he missed like half the season. So uh, either way, it seems like a good move because like, you know, they already have like a really great backup. But also when he's, when they're both healthy, now they have this like two headed monster that they used to have with uh, Hernandez and Gronkowski. Um, so I feel like that's really going to be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. And even without Tom Brady for like four games and uh, with that week, AFC East, I think they're going to be in good shape with the, with the move included. I think the two tight end set is going to put a lot of NFL teams into body bags! Get him a body bag! Yeah! Oh, that took a minute. We've got our body bag reference. I will say this. I think New England with the two tight end combo is awesome. They're unstoppable, especially if Martellus Bennett can uh, reproduce what he did in Chicago. Any tight end that plays... Uh, you know, second tight end with Gronk, their career ends up skyrocketing and doing well. I mean, Aaron Hernandez's career worked out, right? On the field career was great. In all seriousness, no, I, I do like the move a lot. If Martellus Bennett can produce the numbers he did with Jay Cutler as quarterback, who always looks high as a kite on the football field, imagine what he can do with Tom Brady. Yeah, when he gets back on the field. After he buys a new phone. (laughs) And reinflates his balls. Footballs, footballs. The footballs. Proper PSI. So number one, I'm going to go with, this just seems like a very good managerial move. Uh, it's probably not as like splashy as the other ones. But um, the re-signing of Charles Johnson by the Panthers, I'm going to go with number one. 
when you when I say this part. Um, they had him, I believe, for eleven million dollars, and they re-signed him for three million, I believe. And it's the same exact player. And like knowing how important their defense is to their team, I don't know what they, I got to double check what his salary was, but basically. They like they let him go and then they resign him for like a very huge discount and that stinks for him obviously but for them I think it's a brilliant move and you know it's, it's smart and it'll have just help them kind of just keep their consistent defense and how uh, how dominant it was. That didn't make financial sense. So he was making eleven million. The Panthers dropped him and they resigned him for three million. I gotta check the first time salary, but I know they resigned him for three million. I'm checking it right now. I mean, if so, good for the Panthers. Um, this is an under underrated story. Hey, I'm always for when the team can get a bit of a discount on a good player. Sucks for the player. Because you know what P. Diddy said, it's all about the Benjamins. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did he also say more money, more problems? So you should have less problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Everybody should have less problems. I mean, for the Panthers, they basically said, it's my way or the highway. Yeah! This time I'm gonna let it all come out. This time I'm gonna stand up and shout. I'm gonna do things my way. It's my way. My way or the highway. And it's like, I, I don't want to get off at this exit. And now they're just gonna keep on rolling. Okay. Rolling, rolling, rolling. According to this site, okay. Actually, it wasn't eleven. Wait, was it eleven million? It says base salary two thousand fifteen was nine million seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. Prorated, it was ten million dollars, and then they re-signed them for like three million dollars. So they pretty much like saved that much money, like million, like seven million dollars roughly, and got the same as that player back. Uh, I would say it's a pretty smart move. It might not be like the the splashiest move, but it's like a player they already had, you know, theoretically. But they lost them and they re-signed them for a fraction of the price. Terrible for him, but. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's still doing well. It's definitely the number one penny saver move. I'll tell you that. Seriously, where can I save that kind of money in a Clipper magazine? Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Carolina's a great team. Um, they probably have a decent shot at making the playoffs again. For a good player to stay with a good team because they want to compete, I respect that. Matty G, you're right, dude. I just I know that the salary cap is a huge factor in the NFL, and I know um, it's, it's more so than other sports like baseball where like it, there is one but like you just pay a little fine if you go over it i know like a lot of players historically have like had to be cut because they just didn't have the space for them or whatever um i don't know every single detail about all the contracts in, in football but if you can get like a, a a key defensive player on a very strong defense back and save that much money that's a great move for the organization and you know for the fans i mean it's not that good for him you know but uh, yeah, it just seems like it makes a lot of money sense, and I think a lot of the best teams like they do these smart financial decisions and you know and uh, managerial decisions that don't really go appreciated until you see that the end product, like a team like you know the Spurs or like I guess the, you could say the Patriots, like they find ways to 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 cut costs, and and that's just a big part of their success because they they like Tom Brady. I think he renegotiated his deal a few times where like he took le- less money so they could sign a certain player they needed. So um, I think that kind of stuff is a, a kind of underrated factor in a lot of team success. All right. I guess we'll go on to uh, my top five. I have an honorable mention. The Miami Dolphins for leaking that photo of Laramie Tonsil smoking before the draft. 
because of leaking that picture, they were able to draft him at a very discounted draft pick. They were able to get the best player in the draft because they leaked a picture on Twitter. And more NFL teams should do that. I like it with the Dolphins. It was some team. He was really high. Maybe he sent it. That's like a strong possibility. People are stupid. I mean, the possibility of him being stupid versus some tech genius hacking his account. At this point, I may just go to, no, I think he meant to hit delete and he hit send. Yeah, Laramie Tonsil just fell. It was a free fall. I like that. I like that a lot. And I love that when, um, when like draft season comes along for football or for, for baseball when it comes to fantasy. Like, I like, I like when there's like a silly scandal like this and people are like, well, I don't know. This guy uh, got a DWI, so I don't know if they can hit home runs anymore. And that's like something that happened to Miguel Cabrera one year. And it's like, oh yeah, well, he's still Miguel Cabrera. Like, I don't think him like having, you know, an issue that's serious outside of baseball where like he survived and no one got hurt is going to affect his, his value in the season. Like he's, he just that's what he does. Like he's really good at baseball. <laughs> Someone had to leak it. I, I think it was the Dolphins because twelve other teams passed on the guy. Great place if you if there's a potential for drug problem, go to Miami. How can this go wrong? See me rolling, they hating, Number five is the Jacksonville Jaguars killing the first two rounds of the draft by landing Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. The Jacksonville Jaguars used the fifth overall pick and the 36th overall pick and probably picked up two of the most talented defensive players in the draft. Miles Jack slid in the draft due to a knee injury that basically uh, lost him his final season of college. Jacksonville took advantage of it, and they really did strike gold with two potential great defenders. But this is, again, why it's also number five, because they are draft picks, and you never know how they're going to work out. And they're also getting the guy back who tore his ACL in the first practice of his rookie year. Yeah, plus they had a huge free agency. They got Malik Jackson, they got uh, Prince Mukamara, and Chris Ivory. I'm saying it right now on this podcast. Jacksonville Jaguars will make the playoffs this coming season. Document it. Spoiler alert. (laughs) You heard it here first. Number four is a game of let's make a deal. Gone wrong for one team and gone right for another. Number four is the Titans being able to trade the first overall pick to the Rams for what is one huge draft haul. The Titans, to me, it didn't make sense because everyone and their mother knew that they were going to shop their number one pick because they already had a quarterback. So knowing that, you would think that a team would actually be able to trade for actually less. Because, you know, the Titans were desperate to get more picks uh, in a draft that was rumored to be so deep. But the Titans actually were able to make a deal with the Rams. And here's the actual trade. But the Rams obviously got the first overall pick in this past draft, which they used to uh, draft Jared Goff. They got the fourth round pick this past draft, which is 113, and a sixth round pick from this past draft, which was 177. Now the Titans, they got the Rams first round pick from this past year, number 15. They got the two second round picks from the Rams this past year, number 43 and 45. A third round pick from the Rams this past year, number 76. I'm not done yet. (laughs) 
The 2017 first round pick from the Rams and just for a little icing on the cake, the 2017 third round pick from the Rams. That is a lot of picks. That's a great deal for the Titans. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I got to agree with this move. I didn't even, somehow I forgot that this move happened. I think I was looking up too much about like players acquired where this was more just like a picks trade, but it was obviously a huge trade. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, wow, like how can that be justified if you're like a, a Rams fan or a part of the Rams organization? Like just, just, I don't know, there's just so many of these first picks that don't, like, work out, especially when it's, like, a quarterback or something. I mean, like, think about Jamarcus Russell or or just all these guys, like Vince Young and stuff like that. So it just it just seems like such a huge risk to, like, have all your eggs in one basket and then give up so much and so much of your future. For the Rams, this is football karma. Good luck to them. They did this to another team where they made they gave up one pick and then they got a whole bunch back. Which team was that, Tony? I forget. Oh, the Washington football team, because the name is just too harsh to say. That's the team that they traded, like, five picks and got, like, one back. So now they got karma. Good luck. I hope Jared Goff is the future. My number three is more of a staffing move than an actual move on the football field. But my number three is the Browns hiring coach Hugh Jackson. And no, I don't mean Wolverine. I mean Hugh Jackson, who is known for being the offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, and what many people say is the heartbeat to Andy Dalton's success. The reason I say this is because, number one, it was a very thin coaching market. There weren't many great coaches out there. But if there was one great coach, it was Hugh Jackson, because the guy was already a head coach. What many people forget is he coached the Oakland Raiders in 2011, and with quarterbacks Jason Campbell... Kyle Buller, and eventually uh, Carson Palmer, who they acquired through a trade, they were able to get to an 8-8 eight and eight record, which was the Oakland Raiders' best record since 2002. But Oakland fired him the next year for whatever reason. But he was able to win all those games with that roster of quarterbacks. And I mean, Carson Palmer obviously is, is killing it in Arizona, but what many people forget is he had spent most of la- that season retired, and then... Tony, you know all about Jason Campbell. And, uh, you know, Kyle Bowler. We all know about him. I know Jason Campbell. But we'll see. Now that he has um, Kirk Cousins' former back backup, we'll see how they do. Good luck to Hugh. He's, he got himself a quarterback. Yeah, but I think he could actually bring RG3 along. We'll yeah. see. He's a good coach. Yeah, so was Super Bowl winning coach Mike Shanahan, but we'll see. It's Cleveland, so you expect like LeBron will be the coach by now, but I guess if he's not available because he's still celebrating, uh, this guy's probably the second best option for them. So I don't know. I mean, I guess there'll be less pressure in a way since like Cleveland just won their first title in like 50 years. Uh, I feel like they'll be like, hey, well, at least we have the, uh, the Cavs. So <laughs> maybe that'll take a – honestly, I was joking at first when I started saying this comment, but that might take the pressure off RG3 to, uh, you know, in a way because they're not going to be as like – bitter when like they if they fail in the first couple of games or something they'll be like well we're still hung over from the from the last thing that just happened so not one not two not three not one championships not two lebron tell us about that not two not three not four not five not six not seven oh. what an idiot keep your mouth shut and play
And anyone listening to this podcast who out there doing sports, just shut up and play. Nobody wants to hear that talk. It used to be, hey, if they went, I don't know, 1-15, that's a pretty good season. No, that may not be good enough now in Cleveland. They may have higher expectations. Not one championship. Not two. LeBron, tell us about that. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. It may be championship or bust in this town. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you've had champagne and caviar for the first time. How can you go back to spam and diet Dr. Thunder? I agree. What did Jay-Z say? Once you're used to filet mignon, it's kind of hard to go back to hamburger helper. When you're used to filet mignon, it's kind of hard to go back to hamburger helper. Honestly, I would say hamburger helper. I don't know. Why don't you try a home-cooked meal with yummy hamburger helper instead? <laughs> Hamburger Helper is really good, actually. All right, cool. You, you guys pick out on that. I'm going to have the flame mignon. I'll pass on the spam and the caviar. I mean, they all kind of sound disgusting. Uh, hamburger Helper, I, mean, I guess it's not like health food, but I, I'm used to it at least. Yeah, it is not health food. It barely <laughs> counts as food. What would you guys like? Hamburger Helper. Can I have some? <laughs> See, the teenage eating machine certainly knows deliciousness when he sees it. Technically, it's, it's substance. I'll give it that. <laughs> All right, should we go on to number two, or should yes. we do the top five reasons Hamburger Helper should be in every person's diet? Well, one, it has helper in it, and we all need a helper. One pound, one pan, one tasty meal! Get any help us in the bathroom after you finish eating it. <laughs> what would you guys like? Hamburger Helper! Can I have some? <laughs> See, the teenage eating machine certainly knows deliciousness when he sees it. Well, speaking of helper... Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons needed a helper, so my number two top five NFL offseason move was the Falcons signing center Alex Mack. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback, I don't care what anyone says. He was playing behind a horrible offensive line the past few years, and yet he was still able to put up numbers. I think signing a center like Alex Mack is going to be huge for a uh, Matt Ryan's success going forward. Um, when you take a look at him, and then you also have uh, Ryan Schrader, who's one of the guards for the Falcons who had a really good season last year. Matt Ryan's probably going to have one of the best offensive lines he's had since entering the NFL. And then it's scary to think about the fact that Julio Jones could actually be more dangerous in fantasy football because of the fact that Matt Ryan will actually have time to throw the football. I mean, I always got to have a part of my heart for, my fantasy heart for Matt Ryan and his uh, performance in 2012, where I uh, had my first ever championship, and it was thanks to him. So, if he can get more deadly and be a bargain, because he's always like a like the 12th quarterback off the board, then, you know, I'm all for this move. Crap, I shouldn't have put out my fantasy insight on this one. <laughs> No, I, it's okay. There's always like a quarterback you can just find that's decent in like the twelfth round. So. We'll see because they need. Well, everybody knows if you're going to build a team, it starts with the big guys up front on offense and defense. You need some big, nasty uglies that can bump people off the line. Alex Mack, I hope he can do that for Atlanta. They're paying him to, and if he can live up to those expectations. That clears up a hole for uh, Dante Freeman. Is I pronounced that right? Devante? Devante, yeah, I was close. D Freeman. I call him D Freeman. <laughs> but if they can open up some holes, more holes for him, that's going to open up the play action pass. 
And I think teams are going to get smart and put four guys on Julio Jones. He needs four guys on him. That guy is a monster. Or just ta- or tackle his ankle nonstop, and then he'll be out for the game. Or just like, I don't, I don't advocate injuring players. Maybe they'll sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? Yes. <laughs> it's probably between Julio Jones and Antonio Brown for best receiver in the NFL right now, and I don't know who I'd select. No, they're both good. Uh, although at this point, I don't know. I, as much as I hate the Giants, that wild man Odell Beckham. He's a beast. He's fast as anything, and his hands have stick them on him. That's who they should be investigating. That the, his darn gloves making all those one-handed catches. No, there, there's magnets in his hands. No comment. I don't like Odell Beckham. <laughs> yeah, it's not to say. I mean, like, there's so many of these, like receivers that you might say like is the best and I feel like they're just a good crop of like maybe six that like are that top tier and I guess you can make a debate for a lot of them Beckham, Bryant, Antonio Brown or Julio Jones it just seems like one week after another like one of them has a big week and it's like oh he's the best wide receiver in the league and then like next week they say like oh well he's clearly the best wide receiver in the league look at this catch he just made it just kind of just goes back and forth Uh, I think they're just like that kind of like that top tier and uh, they're all kind of on there together Number one is something rare in the NFL. It is a player-for-player trade that happened this offseason. And it actually might be a trade that works out well for both teams. My number one offseason move is the Patriots and Cardinals trade, where Chandler Jones, experienced pass rusher of the New England Patriots, goes over to Arizona, and Arizona sends Jonathan Cooper, one of their offensive linemen, and a second-round draft pick to the New England Patriots. Reason I like this pick is because the Cardinals are there. I think the Cardinals are still the deepest team in the NFL, and they need to win now before Carson Palmer retires. Chandler Jones fills a big void for them because he's a Pro Bowl pass rusher. He's coming off a 12.5 sack season, and he is going to give them some added pressure. The other reason that I like the the uh, the trade is because for the Patriots, they realize they wouldn't be able to afford Chandler Jones. He's in the last year of his contract. They basically didn't make the mistakes most people do, where they just let him go to free agency and they get nothing for him. They actually get a second round pick and an offensive lineman, which they need. The Patriots were never going to sign Chandler Jones because they have Dante Hightower and a few other people that they have to sign, so there's only enough money to go around so many times. So I think it was a good move for the Patriots, and does anyone want to guess what the Patriots did with that second-round pick they got from this trade? Uh, they gave him a, a phone with an box. <laughs> Garoppolo was last year, right? Garoppolo was not this draft. It was last year's draft, yeah. No, I don't know. I forget what they did with it. He traded it, probably. He did trade it. He traded back for more picks. Good for him. He traded it to the Saints for a bunch of picks. Good for you. It's what Belichick does. I guess time will tell if this works after them, but I mean, I think it just it seems like getting more picks, you kind of just spread out your bets, you know, if somebody's a bust or something in general, and I'm sure they know what they're doing when they draft. They have a very stellar reputation for just, you know, just having this great system. So 
I feel like if you're making a deal with the Patriots, they're probably gonna you're probably gonna lose. I feel like because they're probably doing something smart that's gonna benefit them more than it's gonna benefit you. Maybe it can be mutually beneficial, but I feel like they know what they're doing as good as anybody. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Patriots get the benefit of the doubt. Like even if they make a bad move in general in the off season, everyone says how great of a move it is because it's the Patriots that made it. If it's a, a loser team like the Redskins and they make the same move, they'll they'll get uh, crucified for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I agree with the loser part. No, I, I think you covered it. It's a classic move where you you move an asset that you were going to lose in free agent anyway and get some get some use out of it. But I do like the move for the Cardinals though because they get something that they need and they get a Pro Bowl pass rusher. And they didn't even have to give up a first-round pick. They gave up a, a lineman who wasn't really working out for them, and they just gave up a second-round pick, and they got a Pro Bowl pass rusher. That's a damn good deal. And that is my top five. Y'all ready for this? One, two, three, go. Here we go. Matty G and I are going to do the calculations, but Tony B is going to have to sign off. He has to go actually check the PSI in his balls. So... <laughs> Thank you for your picks, Tony B. We'll keep posted where they uh, where they end up. All right. Um, again, maybe if somehow my number five pick, Redskins keeping their team name, can make it to number one, I would be most appreciative of it. But if it doesn't make our list, I completely understand that too. I, I really think it's going to be a really interesting NFL season coming up. Everybody's making moves. It's going to be brought another wild season in the NFL. And there's a good chance that when we revisit these picks at the end of the season, we're going to be like, oh, my God. Well, Tony B., thanks for uh, jumping on this podcast with us. And uh, we will count it out. And we'll see what we can do about uh, the Redskins keeping their name. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Matty G., the musician. Always a fantastic time. All right. Now we have our tabulator, Matty G., the musician, who's going to tally everything up. Today, I'm Matty G., the mathematician. <laughs> everything has been calculated, and here are the results. At number five, we're going to have Martellus Bennett signing with the Patriots. It was number two on my list, and it was also an honorable mention for Seth's list, so therefore it broke a tiebreaker. Number four, three, and two had the same exact score, so therefore they're all pretty much number two with a three-way tie. So the three are Peyton Manning retiring, Charles Johnson being re-signed by the Panthers, and the Chandler Jones trade for the Patriots and Cardinals. At number one, because it was on two different lists, is Josh Norman signing with the Redskins. Any thoughts about this, Seth? Well, I'll tell you what. I think we got a good list. Um, I kind of figured that we'd be all over the place because there's so many moves made in free agency, so uh, there's not much rhyme or reason to it. And it also shows that we're deeper NFL fans because we didn't just pick the headline-grabbing moves. I tried not to do that on purpose because I didn't want that to just be what we did. And it feels like everyone brought the wrong kind of input in a great way, and we got that nice diversity of picks where the only downside of that, I guess, if you call it a downside, is that we have so many ties because there were so many different picks. Uh, it's probably one of the most diverse 15 picks we've had as, as a group. Well, I'll tell you what, Matty G, do we want to uh, quickly run through the uh, top five? We'll give our thoughts, and then we'll uh, shut it down. Sounds good. Number five, Martellus Bennett going to the Patriots. There's going to be a lot of two tight end sets ran in New England, and I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I agree, and uh, I'm interested to see where they're going to go in fantasy. Number four, slash number two, Peyton Manning retiring. I'm going to miss hearing Omaha on a weekly basis. 
I still haven't had Papa John's, but because I like him so much, I'm more likely to negate my dislike for Papa John himself. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa, Papa John's. John's. Number three, Charles Johnson re-signing with the Panthers. Whatever coupon they use to make that happen, I would like the same one the next time I'm buying a new car. I usually have to go to Pennsylvania to get those kind of discounts that Charles Johnson wants. <laughs> because New York is not cheap. Number two, Chandler Jones being traded from the Patriots to the Cardinals and Jonathan Cooper being traded and a draft pick. I would say that I think one of the reasons is, this is intriguing to me is you don't see many player-for-player player trades in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out for both teams. I truly believe it's going to be one that does work out for both the Cardinals and the Patriots for completely different reasons. To that, I will say, is it possibly going to be a uh, you know a trade between the next Super Bowl contenders of next year? Who knows? Who knows? And number one, Josh Norman signing with the Washington still-named Redskins. As an Eagles fan, I don't like it because I do think Josh Norman is a talented player. But part of me is hoping that all of his stats and all of his great play was due to that Panthers line. Because if not, it's going to be a tough time for the NFC East. Also hard to tell for me if it's going to be uh, you know the same type of performance from him. But I think uh, in terms of being the best move, it's up there. And that is our top five NFL offseason moves. I think it was a really cool general discussion about the NFL. I definitely uh, think everyone brought it. I, I learned a lot from uh, you know from you guys, and uh, I feel like I'm ready for the season now. I think I'll be ready for my draft a little bit better, thanks to you guys. Thank you guys for listening to the High Five Countdown Podcast. Remember, you can check us out on iTunes. All you have to do is type in High Five Countdown Podcast, and we'll come right up. We have a bunch of episodes posted including our last episode which is top five memories from independence day featuring alan the author of real speak it was a real fun time also you can check us out on facebook and twitter we are under high five countdown podcast on both those platforms and we look forward to you tuning in to more episodes so on that note let's shut down the show my name is dj setho and i'm still sitting waiting and praying for the return of the old gunslinger. I'm comfortable in jeans that last. Real comfortable jeans. The Wrangler, Brett Favre. I'm comfortable in Wrangler. I'm Matty G, and I am following Jason Norco on Twitter right now. <laughs> Good night, everybody, and remember, root for the Dallas Cow people. Catch me riding dirty, tryna 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 catch me riding dirty. I'm comfortable in jeans that last. I'm comfortable in Wrangler. <laughs>